0: Welcome to Serious Faith, a podcast exploring the gospel story by story to discover the way of Jesus. Hey, everybody! Welcome back. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, things have been a little crazy in our world, uh, both in the church and in our home. So. It's been a couple weeks since our last podcast, uh, but we're back. We're getting back to this, right? Because at the bare minimum, we got to finish this book of John together. We are in John chapter 13, talking about taking our faith seriously. What does that look like? Uh, Let's do it. All right, John 13, we're just getting started. Um, Next section in my Bible goes verses 1 through 20. And so uh, let me read it for you, and we'll jump in. Before the festival of Passover... Jesus knew that his time had come to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them fully. Jesus and his disciples were sharing the evening meal. The devil had already provoked Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had given him everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the table and took off his robes. Picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist Then he poured water into a wash basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he was wearing. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand what I'm doing now, but but you will understand later. No, Peter said, You will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus responded, Those who have bathed need only to have their feet washed, because they are completely clean. You disciples are clean, but not every one of you. He knew who would betray him. That's why he said, Not every one of you is clean. After he washed the disciples' feet, he put on his robes and returned to his place at the table. He said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must wash each other's feet. I have given you an example. Just as I have done, you also must do. I assure you, servants aren't greater than their master, nor are those who are sent greater than the one who sent them. Since you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know those whom I've chosen. But this is to fulfill the scripture, the one who eats my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you this now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am. I assure you that whoever receives someone I send receives me and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. All right. A lot going on here in these, this section, a lot going on. Uh, So let me offer up some thoughts here as we proceed forward. Uh, So uh, Jesus is getting close. If you remember from, I know it's been a couple weeks, right? But uh, Jesus is getting close to the crucifixion, closer and closer. And so, on this particular evening, we're only a couple of days from, um, couple of days from the resurrection, and so it says right before the festival of Passover, Jesus, he knows his time is coming. He says he loved his own, he loved them fully. Uh, first of all, I really like that wording. He loved them fully. Uh, I think sometimes we think of Jesus' love in a very abstract, almost like subconscious way. You know, like we know it's true in our heads, but we don't really feel it. And there are days where we're like, you know, maybe God doesn't love me or or we don't think about the fact that God loves us and wants what's best for us. But it says he loved them fully. And so they were going to have a meal. And it says the devil had already provoked Judas. And so, um, you know, Judas has already done his deed and set up this trap for Jesus. And so Jesus does something interesting. He does something that was unexpected. And he gets up and... He takes a towel, takes a basin of water, and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. Now, in that time, washing feet was certainly not something a master would do. Uh, washing feet would have been done by kind of a low servant, somebody in the house. You know, as people come in and they're with their sandal feet and they're all dusty from the road and the walk, and and this servant would wash their feet for them because when they would eat dinner, it wasn't like us where we had these high chairs all the time. You know. Um, they would sit at these low tables and sit on the floor kind of almost like cross-legged or like the legs out to the side of them. And so their feet were a lot closer to their food and their faces than they would be like in our chairs um, or like the chair that I'm sitting in now. And so they would wash their feet because their feet were so filthy from the road and the travel. And But it was a lowly job. This was not something that like the owner of the house would be doing. And so Jesus gets down and he just starts washing disciples' feet. And he says, "You don't understand what I'm doing, but you will later." Right? He says, "You don't get it yet, but you're going to." And Peter says, "No, no, no, no!" Right? Because Peter is Peter is, knows how this works. Right? He's like, "You are, you are Jesus. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ." Right? You are not gonna wash my feet. Like, I imagine in his head, he's thinking, "If anything, I should be washing your feet." <laughs> right? Like, if anything, I should wash your feet, because you are the master. Right? Like, you are it. And he says, no, you will never wash my feet. He said, this is not going to happen. But this is an interesting exchange because Jesus replies and says, unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. <laughs> He's very direct, right? Have you noticed that so far in this in this podcast? Jesus is very direct. And so Jesus very directly tells Peter, if you're going to be mine, you better get washed. And so so Peter says, uh, his immediate turn, right? He goes from, no, you're never going to wash me, to... Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Right now, talk about serious faith. Like, Peter here, Jesus tells him he's got to be washed, and he's like, all right, then take every part of me. Right, this is like the epitome of what serious faith looks like. Because he was going to go to the max. Right, Jesus was just washing feet, but he's like, look, Jesus, if you're telling me i got to be washed, wash all of it, right? And, and it's almost like, you know, it, we don't do foot washing, so it, it means less to us, I think, than to than to other people in other places. But but think of it as this way: like think of it as Jesus is asking you to make a sacrifice, right? He's asking you to let him do what he can do, let him serve you, let him wash you, let him change you, let him transform you. But you're it's you gotta let him do it, right? And because at the end of the day, we have to let him do it. He doesn't. He almost never forces his way in. Right? Jesus does not force us to do things. He asks us, and we get a choice on how we're going to respond. And so Peter here, his response is, well, look, if it, if I need to be washed, then wash all of me. And, and this is completely in alignment with where the rest of the gospel goes as far as what Jesus asked of his disciples, right? Because it's like, all right, Jesus, if I get a sacrifice, then I'm sacrificing all of it, right? And this is essentially what Jesus tells people, right? He says, look, if you're going to if you're going to do this thing like if you're going to follow me it's got to be all out like there's no middle ground here you're either all in or you're all out and there's nothing else and so peter here says i'm gonna be all in you can have it all take all of me i'll sacrifice everything and jesus says those who obey need only to wash their feet because they're completely clean and you disciples are clean though not every one of you see so he says look you you're already clean because you're my disciple So you just need to wash your feet. It's this constant reminder to be cleansed, this constant reminder to rely on Jesus, this constant reminder to sacrifice. And I do think it's interesting when he says, you disciples are clean, but not every one of you, because he knew who would betray him. And this is interesting to me, because I think sometimes we assume that because we're in church, everyone around us must also know Jesus well. They must also want what Jesus wants and be sacrificing the same way we are and they aren't they are not it's why Jesus at another place in the gospel says that there will be many who say to him Lord, Lord and Jesus will say I never knew you right, why? because they, they haven't got their feet washed they haven't been actually following in the way of Jesus they haven't given themselves to Jesus they want what they want and that's all they want And so after he washes their feet, he puts his robes back on and he, he teaches them. He says, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and you're right because I am. But if I'm washing feet, you too must wash feet, right? If I'm serving others, you must serve others. If I'm doing this with my life, you should do this with your life. And he says in verse 15, I've given you an example. Just as I've done, you also must do. This is where that command to be like Jesus is so important. Because he tells us straight up. What I've done, you must do. If Jesus did it, we should be doing it. This is where serious faith comes to the head. Because this is where too many times we find reasons not to. And, we, and sometimes the reasons are really bad reasons, and we know that. But other times we make our reasons for not doing this thing extremely, extremely religious. And what I mean by that is this. We say things, we give reasons for doing the things we do that sound really good. They sound really religious. They sound really faithful to God, right? Because we talk about loving our neighbors and, you know, taking care of people. And 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 we say these things and they sound good. But they're just covers. Right? They're just covers. Because... What we're trying to do is justify why we are doing this thing we shouldn't be doing or not doing something that we, sh- that we, sh- that we shouldn't be doing. Wait, I got that backwards. <laughs> I got that backwards. Why we're doing something we shouldn't be and why we aren't doing the things that we should be. Right? The reason we cover these up, we find nice little justifications that sound like they're good Jesus things and we cover them up and we make an excuse not to do what Jesus does. A perfect example is um, we've been doing a healing class here on Sunday nights. And uh, one of the things the book talks about with healing is that a lot of times the reason we don't pray for the sick, and we don't lay hands on people, even though Jesus commanded us to, and Jesus did that himself, is because we have a whole group of Christians who have convinced themselves that healing was only for the apostles. That it was only for that era of the church. Well, here's the thing. You don't find that in Scripture. You can make some stretches and some leaps to get there through scripture, but there's never a direct thing in scripture that says miracles are only for the apostles, right? Instead, you have Jesus sending out the 12 to do it. You have Jesus sending out the 72 to do it. You have Jesus including it in the great commission in the book of Mark that you will see miracles and healing and deliverance and lives changed, right? But we make these nice little justifications of like, well, that was just the apostles, right? And it sounds good. Right? It sounds good. You can find Bible verses that you think fit that. It sounds good. It doesn't make it true. We're just trying to justify why we have never prayed for the sick, why we've never laid hands on them and they've gotten well. right? Instead of investigating, instead of saying, well, it must be on our end that there's something going on, we almost it's almost like we cast the blame on God instead. We say, well, it's God's fault why we can't do this. And we make these nice little justifications. And I see this happen in the church all the time. We don't take this command to do what Jesus does seriously because we find all kinds of ways to wiggle out of it. We find loopholes. You know, Jesus tells us we are to serve one another. He says, since you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. It's interesting that it's the doing of them, not the knowing them, the doing them, that makes your life better. And, you know, do you see what I'm saying here? It's... It's not in knowing scripture. It's not in knowing who Jesus is that makes life better. It's in actually living it out. (laughs) He says, if you do them, you will be happy. If you do them. And so we have to ask ourselves this week, are we doing them? Or are we finding a million and five reasons why we shouldn't or can't? Or are we just gonna do it? I think this is why Jesus talks about being like children. Because children, oftentimes, now to be fair, my children are now getting to the age where they're constantly asking me, well, why should I do that? Why do I need to do that? Why is this? Why, 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 why? However, uh, when they're really young, when they're really young, they don't ask, right? You just say, hey, can you do this? And they go, okay. Or you say, hey, don't do that. And I'm like, okay. And they don't ask. And it's that same obedience that we're supposed to have to Jesus. We're supposed to have that same level of obedience for Jesus. Jesus says we should, so we do it. I don't need to know why. I don't even need to know how. I just need to do it. You know, going back to that healing class, it's the same thing. The step of faith in praying for the sick is not healing people because you you can't heal people. Now, if you're a medical doctor, sure, you you can you can heal some people. <laughs> but most of us do not know how to heal people. However, the step of faith that all God's asked there is that you pray for the sick. God hasn't asked you to heal people. He's asked you to pray. And so our step of faith is we pray. So what do we do? Jesus told us to pray for the sick. We pray for the sick. Right? Jesus told us to serve people. We serve people. He tells us to love people. We love people. He tells us to forgive people. We forgive people. It's that simple. Right? Taking your faith seriously does not mean that faith has to be hard. Taking faith seriously is actually really simple. It means that if I'm going to say that Jesus is my master and my Lord, I'm going to let him do that. And when he says go, I'm going to go. When he says stay, I'm going to stay. It's that simple. And if you can work your life down to just that, on listening to Jesus and doing what he says, you'll find that life's a lot more enjoyable. As Jesus says here, you'll be happy, right? But you'll also find that life is a lot more meaningful. You'll get to see a lot of cool things. You'll get to have relationships that are restored and rebuilt. You'll find reconciliation and forgiveness in your heart, and you'll find the life that it brings you. Faith is not hard, guys. It's not hard. It's simply believing that Jesus is better than anything else you could possibly have and choosing him because of it. And so this week, choose Jesus. Choose to make it simple. Listen and do. That's what serious faith is all about.